conversations with wedding professionals as they share their stories, insights, and tips from inside the wedding industry. We'll chat about how to be authentic and that it's okay not to be perfect or run your business like someone else's Instagram. Let's dive into the privilege it is to serve our clients and discover the talented creatives that make up our community. When we share what we know and who we are, we better serve our couples as a wedding day team, as well as each other. Simply put, be fabo. Now here's your host, Bobby Brinkman. Hello, podcast listeners. Man, is it fabo to have you joining us again today. Before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that it is such an honor that you follow along with us, and I'm so thrilled that you're here I hope that you're enjoying listening to some candid conversations and hearing other wedding pro stories. I'm very blessed that everybody's taking their time to join us. I want to remind you guys to reach out to me via text or via email. You can do that at bobbybrinkman at gmail.com. Let me know your comments, your topic highlights. Anything that you want to talk about, you can reach me there. Once again, that's bobbybrinkman at gmail.com. Also, follow along on my education site on Instagram, which is bfabo. And reach out to me there about speaking, uh, any other round tables you want to have. And you can also get more information at bobbybrinkman.com. So once again, thanks for following along here on the Beef Able Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to have you subscribe. Don't forget to give us a review here and there to let us know that you're thumbs up or even things that we can improve. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Once again, thanks for following along. Thanks for being Fabo listeners. Let's go to the show. The South's most sought-after wedding and elopement officiant, dubbed by SouthernLiving.com as the officiant extraordinaire, often seen in his infamous seersucker suit, I'm happy to introduce to you Reverend Stephen Schulte. You know, as I said, everybody, I'm really excited to have Rev Schulte here with us. Um, so thanks so much again, Steve, for joining us for a little bit today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to be a part of this. So in your interview um, process, when you start talking to couples, and I alluded to this in the uh, introduction about who you were. If you could tell us a little bit about how important it is for you to interview a couple and them to interview you, and part of the reason why you're a wonderful officiant. I think it's important for that interview um, meeting, or whatever you want to term it, so that all parties are on the same page and want the same type of ceremony. There are some couples that I meet that I simply do not hire, if you will, or we just don't connect for whatever reason. Um, And uh, I am happier about that than um, one would think because I don't want the ceremony to not be great. I want it to be a great experience for the couple and their family and not um, be awkward or uncomfortable. For example, um, I've had people ask me if I could read part of the ceremony in Spanish. thought I could um, just because I said I I know a little bit, but I'm not comfortable (laughs) speaking it at a ceremony. And so it didn't work. Um, And so glad they didn't hire me or I didn't hire them or it didn't work out. Um, and that I could refer them to the right person. Well, and that's good. And that's one of the things that I think uh, set when you have a professional apart is you're going to manage their expectations. So you're going to say, I'm not a perfect fit for you. Let me try to help you find somebody that could. And you also really, really go after a couple that you can speak to. And one of the things I love about being on the wedding day team with you is it generally feels like you have gotten to know your couple. So is that one of the things in your process that you take the time to ask questions and, and really get to try to, to meet them or at least talk to them a little bit before you officiate? Can I tell you a secret that you sure. can't tell anybody? Right. Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. I don't often meet with couples in advance. Gotcha. Um, in part because it's destination. They don't always get here. Um, And it's not possible uh, because of their schedule. So sometimes I simply meet a couple at the ceremony itself when the bride is walking down the aisle or when the groom is about to walk out. That's when I meet a couple. But one of my gifts is to be able to be personable even if I've not met them. 
because I can see in their eyes what they're feeling and I can uh, adjust the ceremony speed and the, the emotions by their emotions, uh, not only the couple, but the people in attendance. I have the gift of being able to um, sound personable, be personable, and I am personable even without meeting a person. And that is evident because, I mean, like I said, um, I, we are in a destination market and myself included. We do a lot of elopements and sometimes I just don't meet the people that are there. But I can attribute that that is one of the things that really sets you apart is that you, it really looks like you have spoken to them and taken the time to get to know them and the interaction between them and you is just phenomenal. And that's what makes you uh, really, really fabo. Tell, okay. tell our listeners a little bit about why you got into wanting to form marriages? I sort of stumbled into this. It wasn't anything intentional. It wasn't planned. Um, I didn't think I could ever do this full-time or marry lots of couples uh, a year, let alone a weekend. Um, It sort of developed over the years with Savannah becoming a larger destination market. Uh, And so... It wasn't anything that I wanted, actually, because in the church, weddings are a royal pain in the neck for the clergy. Right. Uh, there's so many people wanting to be in charge and control, and, it, and most of my colleagues hate doing weddings. That's probably a too strong of a word, but they really don't like doing weddings because it's so stressful and chaotic and then there's territorial rights and there's this that and the other thing and uh, that's how I went into it thinking that's what it was going to be but it's not that Um, it's not that at all as a matter of fact I love doing weddings I thoroughly enjoy them and um, really feel blessed that I can do them well again the I think the couples that have you seek you out and they can definitely see that um, for you and I know that you do elopements about how many elopements do you get asked for, and then how many elopements can you do, say, in a week? So I have to ask you a question. Define elopement. Very, <laughs> that's a very good, very good for our listeners. You and I define elopement probably as you picked up the phone and said, I'm getting married in five minutes. Uh, I believe the trend <laughs> is now becoming, I'm really having a small wedding with 75 people, but I'm going to tell you I'm eloping. Right. Is that what and you're finding? That's what I'm finding. I've even had an elopement plan for 18 months out. Yes, um, as well. So I think part of that is the terminology and understanding of the couple is that they might not want a wedding, but they call it an elopement because they don't want a wedding, even though it is a wedding because it's been planned out. So the understanding of the term elopement has evolved and changed um, over the years to mean something other than just, oh, tomorrow we're going to elope. Exactly. And I think I've had that happen. I've had that happen. I had that happen on New Year's, the day after New Year's this year, a couple got uh, engaged on New Year's Day and called me the next day and they were married within 45 minutes. I see. That's an elopement. You and I agree on that. I think sometimes down here, I have heard them say to myself and other wedding pros, well, I'm getting married outside. So I'm eloping just because it's not a church. Um, for our listeners, you do, do you perform weddings inside churches and you're affiliated with the church there in Savannah? Yes, I am a Lutheran pastor and have, uh, I'm a pastor of a small Lutheran church here in town. And, um, I do a few weddings within the church building itself, maybe three or four, maybe five a year, but people come to the, uh, Savannah area, the coastal area, a destination area to not get married in a building or not get married in the church. They come because of the beauty of the outside, the stunning looks of the live oaks and um, the historic homes and the, the views across the marsh. That's why people come here, not to get married in a church or inside of a building. They n- normally use those as a backup. Right, and I think a, a lot of the couples come here and they just, it's an emotional, and a lot have said it's a spiritual feeling that they have there in Savannah. Yes. And we do have beautiful backdrops, but... Have you found any new trends in the officiating world? Like, are you getting asked for anything different to do? I know the Knot and Wedding Wire and every blog has things you should incorporate into your ceremony. Are you finding any trends that have been different or unique coming up or in the, at least in 2018? 
More couples are doing the Celtic knot tying or hand fasting ceremony, depending on how they view it, where they take, um, in, in one of those, the, the Celtic knot, where they take three cords of rope and they tie them together, braid them together, symbolic of the two of them and God, uh, and how that's a stronger bond. Um, the other is the... Um, uh, the hand fasting where they do a Celtic tradition of um, putting cords. Sometimes it's uh, um, some sort of um, rope uh, around their hands, signifying tying a knot and making their, their relationship stronger that way. I've seen that. Um, but a newer one that I've seen um, is the taking of um, a bottle of wine and putting it inside of a box with love letters and then opening that on an anniversary, whether it be one year or five year or 10 year anniversary to remind them of the love they have and why they got married. The other time they can open it is if it's a very difficult time in their relationship and they agree to open the box, share the bottle of wine, read the letters to remind them of what brought them together on their wedding day. Right. And I think that's a, I've been seeing that one as well. And I think it's, it's wonderful to incorporate some of those. Um, are you seeing people are doing more personal vows or are you seem to be reading more of your own or pretty much let legit down and dirty? I now pronounce you the, if you are you finding okay. that, are you finding that couples are asking you to do traditional vows? are more incorporating their own vows or do some just say, Steve, you just do your thing? I would say it's a combination of the two. Many couples want to write their own vows, but they don't want to say them publicly or they're afraid of what they're going to say is going to be too long or too emotional. And so I encourage them to do a combination of personal statement, like a sentence or two or three, and then go into the vows, the I so-and-so take you so-and-so to be my so-and-so. I encourage couples to do both if they can't make up their mind. Gotcha. I mean, that makes sense. Are you finding vows are shorter now? The, the ceremonies you're performing are less than 10 minutes, less than 30 minutes? Have you found a trend with that? So the ceremonies themselves are about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, the actual portion that I speak. The, the um, ceremony overall, the wedding, when it comes to processional and recessional, when people walk in, when they walk out, um, all that stuff can be 20 minutes. But the trend really is less than a 25-minute ceremony from start to finish, from the, when the first person walks in to when the last person walks out. People don't want a long ceremony. Gotcha. Is there a favorite, is there a favorite place in Savannah that you just really, really enjoy every time you get asked to perform that you really enjoy and feel blessed, extra blessed to be in that location. It gives you that extra vibe. The fountain at Forsyth Park is just beautiful. It is so iconic. It's so, uh, I want to say, I I can say unique. It's nothing like it around anywhere in that you've got those beautiful canopy of live oak trees. You've got that fountain in the background. You've got all that beautiful azaleas and camellias and and all of that greenery around you it's just spectacular it's a very spiritual moment right I, I i would agree i would think that that people select that for all those things but i think people really feel just a sense of nature and a sense of it's just a it is a spiritual place to have something as special as the vows is there um is there a time of year that you really enjoy performing ceremonies versus other times of year it's easier to say when I don't enjoy it, and that's when it's really cold or really hot. Exactly. Like middle of July is extra warm, and the middle of January is extra cold. Exactly. Sometimes when people choose those, and they choose those regardless of the temperature, they actually um, have a ceremony inside of a, a bed and breakfast or um, of a restaurant and so I still do those. Those are my least favorite. My most favorite and most enjoyable are the ones in and around March when the azaleas are just in full bloom. I mean, I agree. There's, there's, there's nothing. Savannah in the springtime is exceptional. You get all the senses. You get the smell. You get the textures of the trees. You get the light. Um, and so spring Savannah weddings, which is another reason why they're so popular, 
are, are definitely one of my favorite times. So Rev, tell us, tell us the listeners if you can, what is your favorite part of the wedding planning when a couple reaches out to you? What's your favorite part to do with them? My favorite part is to ask them how they met. Good. One of the things I enjoy doing is bringing their past to the present and to the future. So asking them how they met, because there's almost always a wonderful story, a unique story of how they met and then where the proposal was and then the ceremony. So I try to combine all of those into that moment of when we meet to remind them of why they're here getting married. Exactly. No, that's great. How early should couples seek to actually hire you to be their officiant? How far out in advance should couples begin reaching out to you? Nine months to a year. Exactly. That's the, that would be a, a great time, um, especially if they want a specific uh, time of day. I have many couples willing to change their time of their ceremonies just so I can be there when I feel very honored to do that. And yet, if they book them out farther, then they can have the exact time they want that would match with the photographer and the lighting and the sunset or the the the, the way the shadows are. It would all be part of that, right? And I and I think that is that's again it just it goes to the fact about how fabulous you are and what a what a blessing we are to have you in the industry that people will seek you out. And uh, I know that we've had a couple of trees out to us to photograph and, and they were going to be having you and it literally is, well, whenever Steve can do it, then I can be there. So, you know, you're, you're very well respected as in the stream. We're, and we're very glad to have you part of it um, for all those kind of things that, uh, that you bring to the table. Thank any, you. any advice that you give to your couples um, either afterwards or before, like, do you calm them down or to breathe? And then how do you wish them well on their way? So I used to say, a couple decades ago, <laughs> that I wish this was your worst day of your life together. And I would get this pause and look like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> and, and you probably had that on your face right now. I just can't see it. Um, and that is because I would only want them to get better, that the life only gets better from here. This is a great day and it can only get better. That's why I um, used to say that. Now, before the ceremony, um, if I see people are nervous um, or stressed out or overwhelmed, I try to lighten the mood by making a witty remark or asking them if they brought the license, um, just something out of the norm to not shock them, but to take them out of that moment where they're so stressed and overwhelmed. So I have to ask you about that. And, you know, you could be honest. We're having a candid conversation. I, ha I have to ask you, how many times have there not been a marriage license? How many times have people oh. forgot that? Oh, more times than I can remember. <laughs> what um, do you do? I even have it in my contract now. Who is responsible for bringing the marriage license to the ceremony? And if the person doesn't bring it, then they have to bring it to me at my convenience. Gotcha. Um, it actually probably happens once a month um, <laughs> that people forget to bring it or they say, oh, can we get it to you tomorrow? Um, yeah, it happens more than I would enjoy. And what is the protocol for that? Are you still able to marry them without that license or do you need that license to actually perform the ceremony? So it depends on which state they're in. Um, when the marriage license becomes valid, um, in South Carolina, if they get married there, they have to bring the marriage license to the ceremony. They have to sign it before the actual wedding begins. So they're technically married before the wedding ceremony itself. Exactly. In Georgia is a little bit different. Um, the process is way different in some ways, isn't that they don't have to sign the marriage license. Only the officiant signs the marriage license. And then um, it's legal when the courthouse gets it back. Exactly. That's what I thought. <laughs> and if they don't bring it to the, the ceremony, I tell them that one is I will not say it's now by the authority vested in the state of Georgia. I gladly pronounce you to be husband and wife. I, I tell them I will not say that because I don't have that document. Right. And I also tell them that the things that I say will not make them married. It's unfortunately that piece of paper that will make them married. So if they never give it to me, then they are not married. 
And I've actually had that happen twice and once recently. That's amazing. You know, especially in this day and age where it's, it's so easy to go get a piece of paper. I mean, obviously pretty soon, if you had everything on our phones, nobody would forget to bring it. But now, you know, we have to go actually go get the piece of paper and do that. So that's unique. Um, I know when I've had weddings with you, I see you using your iPad. Um, I love it. Exactly. Is that, I would say what piece of technology have you found that's really helped you, you know, officiate weddings? iCloud is the best thing ever for wedding officiating. It's absolutely the best. I can create the document on my laptop and get to the ceremony and open it up and it's there on my iPad. I can go to the rehearsal with the, my iPhone and make notes on the ceremony and then it's there on my iPad when I need it the next day. Gotcha. The other part of that is because the thing that I like is at the rehearsal, there's always questions or fine tuning of the ceremony. And so when I used to print it and, and write it out, I couldn't always read my chicken scratch. And so right. now I don't have to worry about reading my handwriting. It's, I just type it in and it's there. There's no worrying about, oh, if this gets wet because it rains, then, it, then the, the ink is all smeared and I can't read what I wrote or what the printer printed. So on that, when, how many times, if it's, I know in elopement, we talked about it being a little bit different, but of your more, you know, legitimate long-term weddings, meaning they're planning it far in advance, do you go to all the rehearsals or is that just something that clients can add on or is it something that you feel is really important for you to be there? Yes, D, all the above. Um, It is important for me to be there, uh, especially if they don't have a professional wedding coordinator. It's also important sometimes for me to be there from the couple's point of view because they have not met me or their family has not met me, and so they want me to meet them. Sometimes I'm at the rehearsal for those reasons primarily, and sometimes I'm there primarily to actually do a rehearsal. Um, But most larger weddings have me at the rehearsal. Agree. And don't you think that, that it's a wise thing to have you there for all those reasons and above? So, Oh, absolutely. And even more. Um, it's just so many fine details that no real um, uh, non-professional wedding coordinator uh, can know about or do on my behalf. Some professional wedding coordinators I've worked with so much that know all the things I'm going to say and how I'm going to do them at the rehearsal. And so they can stand in for me if my schedule doesn't allow me to be there. Right. But it's very important to be there. It, it's, um, I, I personally don't like surprises and I would not want to be surprised um, during a ceremony um, if I were the, the one of the couple. Exactly. Um, I know you and I have worked several weddings, um, you know, this past year and hopefully some more coming up. One of the things that I know when we don't have a wedding planner uh, and I, like you, try to encourage all of my couples. We have to have weddings without them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, you and I. So there has been times you and I have literally been looking at uh, each other in the face, waiting for a wedding to start. Yes. So your policy and your belief in why it's important as professionals, we have these plans in place on our contract. Because you're able to do more than one wedding in a day. And I, and I know you and you're really respected. You're not going to cram everybody in, but you could put a couple hours in between doing a ceremony for one person in the morning and the afternoon. What's your leeway with how long you're going to stay at a ceremony when we don't have these planners to help us? So I have in my contract that I have a 12 minute window from the time they say the wedding is to start to get me to start speaking so let's say the wedding's at 5 o'clock. If the wedding has not started by 12, uh, 12 minutes after or 5.12, contractually they have agreed that I can walk away from their ceremony. Exactly. They have to agree to that. Um, have I done that only one and a half times in the years that I've implemented it? What I've also had to add to my contract is that one line from one really bad experience and that is who is responsible and who is accountable for starting the ceremony on time it can't be it can't be you as the photographer it can't be the florist it can't be the musicians it can't be the dj it can't be me it has to be somebody else that's in charge or making sure that it starts on time um because 
with us doing it, and you know we have made it start on time or close to it, is that oftentimes we're looked at as the bad person for making people get in line. Right. We're we're the ones that people get mad because we're trying to rush them through the moment, but they don't realize that, you know, like with you, you go on to go somewhere else and do something else. I'm trying to get us back in line so the caterer isn't mad. I mean, it's it's a it's a snowball effect. It absolutely is. How small. (laughs) And then it's even more so about the guests because let's say it's a hot summer day or even a spring day, it's 80 degrees outside and people are sweating profusely and the wedding is to start 30 minutes late and people are sitting in the sun for 30 minutes. They are not happy. And they they could blame it on me or you or anyone else, but it's generally the um, one of the two people getting married. That's, Delaying us, oh, yes, yes. exactly. Oh, and, and that goes back to the fact where I firmly believe that we should have experts doing the weddings and yes. your friends can be friends. So you, we've all seen in our industry and in the little parts we do for weddings that we have the novice people. What are your views on being able to go online and having you know, your friend Bill perform the ceremony? There are so many drawbacks to that. This is the example that I've given couples before and I will continue to give couples. Whatever job you have, whatever makes you money, whether you're um, an attorney, whether you work at Walmart, whether you work um, at a fast food place, or whether you're a nurse, or whatever you do, imagine somebody coming in as a temporary person for one day doing your job, and then you get rated on how well they do. How good of a job are they going to do for that one day, not very well, because they don't know the job. They don't know the details of the job. But it's the same with thing with having a non-professional um, coordinator or photographer, you name it, doing that um, event. They don't know all the nuances. They don't know all the details. And so it becomes very uncomfortable and awkward and uh, for so many people. Uh, let me give you an example of a of a wedding I went to recently as a guest. And I'm hardly ever a guest at a wedding. Um, I went to a wedding and the couple was up front and the officiant was getting ready for the vows. Um, The vow portion came in the ceremony and the officiant said the vows to the groom one line at a time. The groom looked at the officiant the whole time saying the vows. Wow. Not at the bride, but at the officiant. Jeez. And, then, and then when it came time for the bride, the bride said her vows to the officiant and not to the groom. When it came time for the ring exchange, the groom held the bride's hand but looked at the officiant saying that with this ring I thee wed. <laughs> that, that was, I, I was ready to jump out of my skin at that point in time because it was so obviously wrong, um, but nothing I could do about it. That's what happens when people, unfortunately, either choose not to hire a professional or someone that's been doing this for a long time. All these little things um, can add up or get in the way of a beautiful ceremony. Right, and I think that's why, you know, as guests, unlike you, I can't tell you the last time I've been a guest, but... I don't think I could be a guest because I think I would just be, unless they're professionals there, then I could be fine. But I'm like you. And it's like, we, we talked about this earlier. It's, I know that their friends have the best intentions when they want to volunteer and do something, but be respectful. No, they can't. I'm not saying that to be negative. There are sometimes when uh, non-professionals can do it, but they just, sometimes family gets in the way. Like, you cannot tell your grandmother to go sit down or go stand over here. You cannot tell your stepfather or stepmother or stepparent or even your parent or your mother or your father to go here and there because you're intimidated because of their title or because of your relationship to them. When you have a professional, you don't have that in the way because they just tell you what you have to do. And they don't care what your title is, whether it's mother of the bride, mother of the groom, whatever. They do their job. Right, and because again, and they also respect that, well, this is what you're supposed to be doing. My daughter, my son paid you to be here, so I'll listen to you. Do you get a lot of the family drama? Do do couples, even on a short time when you just meet them, is one of the first things they say to you is, oh my gosh, my family dynamics is X, Y, Z, and 
prepare you for that so you can counsel as well? Unfortunately, I've learned the opposite of that. People don't always tell me that. And so I have to learn that um, uh, on uh, that or during that moment. And so I've learned to phrase things in such a way that I don't know all the family dynamics about who's going to sit where, like if a step parent is going to sit next to the, um, uh, the ex, you know, wife or ex husband, um, rarely anymore does someone tell me that there's family dynamics and people don't get along. Gotcha. Well, and I, and I think it's, I think elopements, especially I, I know in my field, I'm hearing when I hear couples do eloping, usually the first thing they say is, well, we had to get away from our family because they're just nuts. Yes. And, oh, and, I hear that so many times right. that it, it's all about everybody else's schedule never about the couple getting married. Right. Um, that's a lot of the reason why um, people elope is because there's just too much drama when it comes to the actual planning of the wedding, let alone the actual wedding for some people. Exactly. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about being a business entrepreneur. What is the hardest part about owning the officiating side of your business? Like what's the hardest part and struggle you have to deal with as a business owner? The financial one. Gotcha. The, the, I hate to say making, but the making people pay their final payment or telling them how much I charge. Um, I really dislike that. If I could get away with, uh, get away from doing the finance, um, I would love it even more. And I don't think I can. Right. You know, because we all, you know, we talk about price and I know it's, it's, it's hard. Um, do you, do you think that efficient pricing is regulated with what people think they should pay efficients or what they think efficients deserve? It's not, um, regulated by what they think the efficient deserves because if that were the case, it would go back to when the couple gave the pastor of their church $20 for marrying them. Exactly. Oh, wow. So, I mean, do you find, are you finding that you get pushback when you say your race because it's not $20 like the pastor or do, do couples say, Oh my gosh, I can't do that. Or sure. No, they don't do that. What I have found is that since so much of this is done online is they don't respond to my email with the prices. Gotcha. Too high. Now my price, uh, fee schedule is so flexible date time and location it also depends if somebody is calling me and wants to get married in 20 minutes it's going to be a lot less because I can just show up in my jeans and marry them right you know it, there's so many variables when it comes to a fee it's not just one flat fee it's not even possible to do just one flat fee Gotcha. Do you do any, um, any extra counseling afterwards? Like if somebody says the next day we want you to come and perhaps reside over brunch or do a small prayer. Is there, are there other options that people can have you on their wedding weekend that puts you more in the reverend department instead yeah. of the officiating department? Yeah, I've done that many times. I've even baptized children um, or their child either right after the ceremony or, or the next morning, uh, even going to the reception and saying a prayer or a blessing over the food or the next day um, when they get together. Yes, I do more of that as well. That's amazing. Uh, I love that. I love that. So give us a little bit of, I'll talk to our listeners a little bit more about, I alluded to on your introduction, give us some of the highlights that you've had in your career. Some of the you know big moments that you sit back and go, why? I can't believe that happened to me. Uh, do they all have to be good? No. <laughs> or, this is a candid conversation. You tell us some good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what I want to oh, do with this podcast. I had some of those like, I cannot believe that just happened. Exactly. We could all write a book. Um, Come on, Steve. Yeah. Uh, I can't mention any names, but there was uh, recently a one of the two people getting married who could not sign their middle name in cursive. <laughs> I didn't know anybody could not use cursive. <laughs> that is I was funny. so in shock by that. I was in shock by that. So that's on one end of the spectrum. And recently at a wedding, I was yelled at by one of the guests because I didn't mention the name of Jesus during the ceremony. Wow. I literally got a lecture and a yelling at for not doing that. And I eventually just 
after trying to reason and theologically understand and, and mention theology about how, you know, if you mention God's name, then you mention Jesus's name and the Holy Spirit's name all in the same because they're one and the same. I, when I realized none of that was working, I simply walked away. <laughs> That's but amazing. Then, so you have from that moment to other moments when I feel so honored to be at a wedding when I am the only one that can see the quivering of the couple's chins when they are so emotional. You can't capture that on uh, a still camera. And most videographers can't capture that because they can't zoom in enough. Right. And nobody else can see that. But I feel so honored to be included in that moment that um, oftentimes I tear up and get choked up. All right, and I think if you, you're close enough that you can probably almost see their heart beating. They're so nervous. Yes. So you, yeah. Yes. No, and I think those moments, that's the moments I love. It's I love when the officiants, and, and that's what I was saying about you earlier. You know, I know that you meet some people early on, and I know that you meet some people day of, but yes. you always bring such a personal, caring, calming, from your tone of your voice to just your mannerisms, it's such a beautiful ceremony with you. And I do think, and I have, I obviously do ceremonies with other people, but one of the things I can say about your ceremonies is that people do take a deep breath and I think they feel more at ease and more comfortable and it just shows and, and, and their vows to each other and their body language. The three of you that are standing up there, it really does look like you are a, you're there to unify them and you're there as your friend and you're there as their guidance and they can sense that. And it's a, it makes for a beautiful moment and a beautiful ceremony. And so, you know, like I said, you do such a wonderful job at that. That is truly one of your gifts that you can just read people that fast in that well. So, you know, again, I love that about you. You're so yeah. kind. Thank you. you know, so in, in doing so in some of those, have you had any um, moments that you like to share? Uh, I mentioned earlier people that you have Bravo TV and TLC. Tell us a little bit about those what? experiences. What are you talking about? I don't know what those are. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, those were great moments. Um, being on Say Yes of the Dress, um, the first episode of the Atlanta um, uh, series was fantastic. It was great being a part of that. Being on Newlyweds the first year, it was great being a part of that and being part of the ceremony for this couple and seeing all the, the lights and the, the drama that was created. Um, one of the pieces of drama was created on purpose, and I found that very interesting. <laughs> That is, you know, reality TV at its finest. There you go. Yeah, I didn't know they would actually create it. I knew it could be there and I knew they did it, but I've never been a part where I heard them say, oh, well, we need to bring in uh, a tractor to make noise in the background. Wow. Like, oh, okay. Jeez. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and Savannah is, you know, we're on TV a lot in Savannah. We have a lot of shows taped in Savannah and a lot yes. of other wedding shows taped in Savannah. So it, it's always fun when we, when we see each other doing things at, and, and different reality shows and to sit back and say, yeah, that's in our backyard every, every day. Aspirations for what you might be doing in the next three years. Where do you see yourself? I know that was one of your questions. And my, um, my smarty pants answer was, I hope to have my own TV series in three years. Good. But... Um, uh, and, and I don't know about that. That may or may not happen. Um, but I still want to be officiating weddings in such a professional way that people love getting married by me. That's and what I, I think, want. Good. And I, and I think that will happen. Do you see Savannah still growing? I mean, we're very popular now, but can you see the influx of more and more couples coming here? And where we're having LGBTQ couples coming here, we're having mixed race couples coming here. Are you finding that Savannah is really becoming very open and welcoming to all couples? Yes. The first time that I had a wedding for two men, I was so nervous. It was in public and I was nervous. It was at Forsyth Park, which is beautiful. And so there's always tourists, tourists there. I was so nervous that someone was going to yell at them right. or say something horrible. But it didn't happen. It was just awesome, and it's never happened. Right. I'm the same way. Um, you know, when I had to do, I was lucky enough to be doing one of the weddings on the same day right after it all got you know, legal, and uh -huh. it was my fear the same way. I thought, okay, now we just had this big uproar, and now it's legal, and we're going to be walking around Forsyth Park. Is somebody going to attack us, throw something at us? 
And, yes. you know, I, I'm always cautious of my surroundings anyway because I got camera gear on me, but I became extra nervous for just everybody, the entire park. And, and I do love the fact that uh, here in the South, we are showing our Southern hospitality and our Southern charm, and we are welcoming everybody. And I think more and more people will be coming here, and I think the elopements are going to keep increasing. Is there someplace else outside of Savannah that uh, you really enjoy performing ceremonies at? So can I backtrack to one thing you were saying before? Uh, you were talking about um, in 2015 when mar- um, uh, gay marriage, lesbian marriages became legal. I did the very first wedding ceremony in the Chatham County. Yes. Um, even though the probate court judge started the wedding before I did in the courtroom, <laughs> I was in the lobby and we finished ours before they did and their paperwork was turned in so technically yours truly was the first one in this county exactly you know as it should be too i mean you know it needed to come out of the courthouse and have it legitimized out this way and i and i I think that's how so is there is there another is there another state or another place that you really love officiating at i love going to driftwood beach on jekyll island do you know that place Yes, I, I, that's, I think the last time you were down this way, yes, I said, I oh my gosh. I by you. I got yelled at by you. Yes, I was like, I can't believe you're not here. We could have went for a coffee. Um, or you something. Know, it is a unique place. Yes, um, it is stunning. It, it's so beautiful. Um, there are so many other places as well, um, um, other plantations or uh, other um, uh, uh, beaches, but that is just something special there. And are you, I didn't allude to this earlier, but in, since you're a reverend, are you, you're allowed to perform ceremonies in all 50 states, uh, the country. What exactly are the guidelines for you? So just like marrying your first cousin is allowed in some states, I can uh, officiate weddings in some states without any paperwork needing to be done, simply because I went to seminary and I'm ordained. There are some states where I have to file some paperwork um, get something certified by the Secretary of State saying that I am legally allowed to marry a couple in their state. Gotcha. But generally, yes, I can go to any state and marry any couple at any time. So are, are you finding that you're being sought out by other couples in other states to come and perform ceremonies? Yes. And where, how are these people finding you? Um, people find me from uh, searching me on the internet. They find me from referrals. I've had a lot of referrals from not only um, uh, local vendors such as yourself, but also from previous couples that I've married. I've had two in the last three months where they, I was referred to them by uh, another couple that I had married. Gosh, you know, and I think especially here in the destination market, we don't get a lot of those referrals built up like we do in other markets. But I think that when friends see their weddings down here and they go, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. They will come back down and do another wedding, just make a little bit different. But I think a lot of couples, if they're just wanting to elope, will come right down here. And then if they've been married by you, you definitely need to be the top of the list to do that portion of it. So that's great. So let's talk a little bit about work-life balance. How do you balance the two? I used to be horrible at it. I used to absolutely be horrible at balancing work and home life. Um, I would only take vacations, if you want to call them vacations, at the last minute when I didn't have any weddings scheduled. I would never take a weekend off. Um, I would work as much as I could to pay my bills. But now I've got a great bunch of associates that work for me that I feel comfortable in them doing such a great job that I can take a week or two or a little bit more off and not be stressed about it. So that, that is a blessing because we oh have to gosh. take care of ourselves. I mean, we have to, you yeah. know, we deal with people and we're dealing with a very emotional day. So there are days that, you know, you know, I used to joke all the time when I had a Saturday off, I'm like, so people actually go out on Saturdays. I would much rather go on a Wednesday when there's nobody around. So, you <laughs> know, you it, don't it, like people do you, that's exactly. why you want to go out on Wednesday. Exactly. You know, it, it's like, it's like, wow, it's, it's extra crowded, but it's nice to be able to get away and to not um, always have to be on and performing for somebody else. And I say all the time as a photographer, don't get so busy telling everybody else's story that you forget to tell your own. Yes, that's um, because we, we have to do that. So it's nice to know that you have, how many associates do you have now with you that can, that can cover the area? 
four. Good. That's great. Actually, five if I count the one in Brunswick, so five. Gotcha. No, that's great. And that's, that's good to know because I, I, I didn't know you had that many. So sometimes mm-hmm. I always say to people, hey, if he's not available, let us know. We'll find somebody else. Now I can say, hey, you better call him if you want him, but he, now he has associates. So I think that's great. Have you enjoyed that process of bringing on associates or was it a struggle for you to let go of control? It wasn't a struggle for me to let go of control. What it was was a struggle finding the right persons or people to officiate. I once, uh, I could, I am not going to go into bad stories, but um, yeah, I now have complete 100% trust in the officiants that work for me. And I, I'm going away this coming weekend for 10 days and I have got several weddings on the book that these people, that these men are doing and I don't worry about them at all. I can just as well. I can have just as much fun um, with knowing they're doing it because I know they'll do a fantastic job and they'll show up on time. Well, and, and that's wonderful because, you know, you're your brand and then people seek yeah. you out because... And I don't need a bad review because one of my guys forgot the wedding or showed up in shorts or forgot their couple's name. I don't need that. No, no. We work too hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, my name's on my business too. So, I mean, I have to stand by it, believe in it. And, you know, I know the day's this generation all wants to, Hey, I'll come work for you and I'll go do all this. And I'm like, yes, I, my name is on the door. So it's, it's hard for me to relinquish that. And I think people like you and I, the couples resonate with us and our personalities. And so they're asking for us. So I'm very happy when couples do ask me about that part. So last couple of questions for you, um, because I, I love this question. You know, if you could spend a day with anybody who, what, where, and why? It would be my dad. Okay. My father died a year and two days ago. And I would love to spend another day with him. What would you guys do? Uh, We would go to his workshop, his woodworking shop, and we would talk and I would ask him questions and he would show me some of the stuff he does um, or did. um, I I wouldn't want to talk to any president or any famous person. I just want one more day with my dad. Right. You know, he's very proud of you. You're, a, you're an amazing person. So I have no doubt that you're just as fab of a son. And uh, I know that's hard, you know, but uh, that's, that's the people I would want to spend time with too. I mean, uh, you know, reality is one thing and, and what we do is another. And we are very blessed and privileged on these days to watch these people and their family dynamics. And oh yeah, you're probably a lot like me now when I see a couple arguing with their dad or complaining about their dad or their mom. And, and yeah. I, I kind of... You know, in my older days now, I'm not too shy to say, hey, you remember there might be a time you're going to wish they were standing there driving me crazy. So you have to do that. I have a question for you. Go ahead. If if we have time. I don't even know how much time we have. Um, What do you do when someone asks you um, or tells you who's officiating and you have no confidence in that person? You don't know who they are. Um, what do you do? And I, and I preface that with this statement. I've had people ask me, you know, what do you think of this photographer? They're going to, they're a SCAD student right now. Um, they're in their second year of photography of SCAD. What do you think about them, their work or hiring them? Gotcha. No, I have trouble doing that. I have trouble uh, answering that question. I do have it on our questionnaire. Uh, when we send out a questionnaire, when people, you know, I'm all about getting their story because I love to hear about them. So yeah. when people reach out to me, you know, I'm one of the few people and, and I do teach this in my education. I go back and talk about them. They already know I'm a photographer, so I don't need to talk photography. But when I get to the point where they're ready and say, hey, we'd like to book you, I do have a couple questions for them. And, and one of them is, who will be your officiant? Who's going to marry you? Do you see it as a very religious ceremony? Is it very spiritual? And this goes back to the fact, mm-hmm. Steve, that I got caught one time in a cemetery with a pagan, uh, and I don't ever want to be in that position again uh, because I didn't ask some of the questions. This is, this is you know six seven years ago, and uh, I didn't you know I did the re- I didn't know I could need to do research on it because I didn't know it was happening. So. I was, you know, obviously taken back and we started, you know, catching things on fire and doing circles of rock and Oh my gosh. It just isn't it isn't who I am as a person and in knowing that going in I would have said no uh without for for the reasons of saying, you know, I I can't I just I can't do that. That's not where I feel. So we asked now. So if they tell me a friend 
uh, we do dig in a little further. And, and I offer the same advice as I said earlier. You know, if the person is a family church member or the pastor from their church, I'm all over that because I believe that's an extension of who you are right. as a person and your couple and they're part of your puzzle. But when they tell me, you know, Sam's going to get ordained online, same as you. Um, I said, well, is he going to be there for the rehearsal? Is he going to be there to get the people down? Does he know how to do the marriage license? And I usually seem to be able to talk the people out of it simply for the fact that I am showing them the things that can go wrong. And I said, why don't you have your friends stand up there and say a few words, but let an, uh, an experienced officiant that's in this industry pronounce you. You're going, it, it, it's a moment that you need to capture and knowing exactly what you said in your story earlier, I, the photos need to be where, of the interchange between the two of you. Not, and I found that if you have a friend, and I find this all the time, anytime it's a friend, they're looking at the friend. They're not looking at each other. And yes. so I'm very cautious and I'm very, I'm very proactive in saying, you know, I, I am the expert. And let me tell you some things that can go wrong here. What if your friend gets sick? What if the night before he drinks too much or she drinks too much? You, we just can't the last minute find somebody. So right. let's, let's keep up with that. So I do that. Um, but as far as the SCAD students go, I do recommend them sometimes when I get some price kickback. If, if they're only going to need me for a couple hours and only want to spend a couple hundred bucks, I do tell them to seek out and find the SCAD people because I think everybody needs to start somewhere. And it kind of tells me that photography is not the most important to them but a SCAD student can do very well. So you're in a little bit different position because you're like, well, you're asking me to tell you about somebody whose memories are going to last forever. But we but all also, work together. But it also goes to other places too, right. like um, which florist or which cake person, right. you know, which venue. Right. Um, all, it, it, like if you're going to have a friend do your flowers, you can't critique them and yell at them and be mad at them forever for doing a bad job. Everybody needs to hire a professional. And when I photograph these friends flowers and the rest of your life you look at the photos and go oh my gosh look how bad of a job they did now it takes away from the talents i'm trying to in my gifts that i'm trying to share with you that you no longer look at the photos going oh my gosh thanks for capturing the moment it's oh my gosh you captured the floral flowers that my friend did a crappy job on yeah you know so we're gonna wrap up here give me uh give me three things or three words that you hope others see in you joy professionalism and sincerity. And I, in all honesty, can tell you, you, my friend, are all three of those and so much more. Thank you so much, Steve. It's been fabulous right. having you here. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you for sharing. We'll have to do this again. I love doing this. This is it's, great. Oh, and I want to have people back. That is, that's definitely, as we progress in the season, I want to pick back up and, and see how the season's been going and everything. So I thank you for your time today, listeners. Remind our listeners one more time, Steve, every place they can find you. RevSchulte.com, that's R-E-V-S-C-H-U-L-T-E, and everything on social media, all of my handles is RevSchulte. All right, thank you so much, folks. Indeed, if you're coming to Savannah or anywhere else, seek this man out to officiate. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again, Steve. Everybody have a fabulous day. Talk to you soon. For more information about today's episode, check the show notes at BeFabopodcast.com. Hey, while you're there, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for Monday Motivations, delivered hot to your inbox. And there'll be more. Can we say more? Till next time, be fabulous.